Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you. In the name of God, the most gracious and the most merciful, all glory and praise belongs to God and salutating with salutations to the beloved and all of the beloveds of God who include Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and his holy family. Thank you so much for tuning into our 30th Healing is Believing podcast series. And today we talk about spirituality in children, spiritual children. Here at the Divine Clinic Foundation, I'm joining myself here is cute. Well, I am QW here, and then joining myself here is Imam Sab and also our uh, spiritual health ambassador for the Divine Clinic Foundation, Dr. Isa White Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum. Such a joy and delight to have you both, Imam Saab and Dr. White, on, in joining our show today. And, you know, just to uh, get, dive right into the matters of spiritual and spirituality in children, um, which is really like the, the basis of raising our wholesome society. It really starts when we look at, you know, the, 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 the parental guidance. And then from there, we look at guidance. Guidance is so crucial because when you have true guidance, and as we are shown in Surah Fatiha, um, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6 in the Quran, and it's guidance to those whom you have favored. And we're always seeking for guidance, a guide that can get us in the right direction, you know, for our school, for, you know, in our home environment. And once you find that guide, that teacher, there is a utmost respect because of their insight and their wisdom. And when it comes to understanding that then when we have a family, you know, we take those principles and are able to adhere. We see in historical texts how spirituality has been such a component, you know, vital component in terms of um, serving humanity. And here right now we are in the month of Muharram and, and commemorating the, uh, the life, the sacrifice of the grandson of the Holy Prophet, Imam Hussein, and peace and blessings be upon them, and, and how it was really not about a struggle for power, but a struggle um, to do the right thing in life. And that all stems from the inner self, of being spiritually whole within yourself. Because when you are sound within yourself, any adversity you know, any type of tribulation, you are able to uphold with such strength and wisdom and are doing things for the righteous reasons. And righteousness always comes back to living a life of higher consciousness and God consciousness. And we are living in a time where there's so much of um, external influences where that inner state is getting, you know, diminished, the light is getting diminished, and we need to be able to uphold that so that there is a balanced state in our worldly affairs and in our day-to-day lives. And when we look at the problems from mental health, anxiety, depression, and all of these that are coming about in society today, we really need to look at our spiritual states. And we're so grateful here at the Divine Clinic Foundation to have um, Dr. White and the Imam Saab and, um, and really grateful for our teacher, the Qutub, to able to guide us and show us this insight so that we can help everybody because we all believe in save a soul, 
save humanity. So I'm going to pass this discussion on to um, Dr. White. Please carry on forward on our topic of discussion today. Well, thank you. Assalamu alaikum and assalamu alaikum to the uh, listening audience, the uh, hundreds of thousands of people who are listening throughout the world. First of all, I want to say that I'm so excited uh, to be on this show again, but I'm also excited because a person who is very, very dear to me said to me by phone a few days ago that she has been listening. I'm not going to give her name. But she had been listening, and she's been listening to Imam Saab, she's been listening to Wahida, been listening to me. And she says that she has researched, that's nice, but I call it that you're studying up on the spirits of God, and you're studying up on the, the work of the Ketu that will make you become much more proficient in whatever you do. When you study and search for God, God comes to you. And whatever happens that's good, you benefit it to God because he's giving you his blessings through the work of the Ketu, through the work of uh, Imam Saab, through the work of Wahida. So I'm very, very happy that if she's listening tonight, assalamu alaikum to that person. But when we talk about spirituality and, and children, first we have to look at the parents. You know, there's an old saying in black America, and that is, the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree. And what that means is that if your child is not spiritual and centered, then you're not doing something. The parent, the parent has to read, the parent has to pray, the parent has to give reference to the God, to Allah, has to give reference to Prophet Muhammad and to all the great prophets that came before him. The, the parent has to show that their home is just not a place to sleep and eat and to bathe, but their home is a masjid in itself, a, pray, a place to pray. So the first place that we have to look at are the parents. And as we are going through a surah, and that is the period that we represent, we mourn the martyrdom of Hussein, the grandson of... Uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings upon him. And as he put his life on the line for the people of that time and for us to be good examples of what we should do, we as parents must also put ourselves on the line as becoming good examples of the spirituality that we want our, our children to follow. That is, they, we want them to study, we want them to achieve, but we want them to become spiritually centered and spiritually strong. Now, some of, you may, some of you may ask, why is this so important? First of all, it has been proven that when a child is spiritually centered, they're less likely to get involved in drug abuse. They're less likely to, get, to become depressed they're less likely to smoke. They're less likely to drink. They're less likely to get involved in all the negative activities that, that this world offers. Now, no matter where you live, if you live in a socialist country like, the, uh, like Russia or in a democracy, 
like the United States or Arab or Muslim country like Saudi Arabia. Wherever you live, we have the same problems. So therefore, we have to have our children spiritually strong, but it has to come from us. Now, I give an example of myself and my own family. My son, he's, he's 17 years of age. In the daytime, he's at high school, and at night, he's in college. Now, he has a lot of homework. He has a lot of pressure on him. However, I created an environment in our home whereby he prays, he reads Quran, he does visitation, and he understands that no matter what we go through and what is what good takes place or what bad takes place, Islam, spiritualism has to be at the center. First thing in the morning, he prays. Last thing at night before he goes to sleep, he prays. These things are very, very important because when we have a spiritually centered child, we create a better world. Now, years ago, and uh, amongst some Muslims, they, they would say, well, we have to raise our children to become God. Not like God, like Allah. But it means that we want them to try to emulate the works of God. And this is spiritually centered. Now, this spiritually centered thing also with children affects, them, affects the physical nature of them. How often do you see young people, beautiful people in the face, but they, they're overeating? They are very talkative, rude to their parents and their elders. They, 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 they become corrupt within the cycle of the educational community that they are part of. And we ask, why is this? Why can't we do anything to these children? Just a few minutes ago, somebody knocked on my door. And they asked me, they said, listen, Brother Esau, my son respects you. He loves you. We can't do a thing with him. He's cursing teachers out. He's cursing the parents out. He's fighting the parents. Now, I wanted to say to the lady, well, it's because you're not doing the right thing yourself. Then when he comes over to my house, he prays, he studies, he is attentive, and I take him to masjid, I take him to, I make him read things that are spiritually strong. So again, spiritually centered is building a better mind, a better person. Because again, some of those children that you may see overweight, they're overweight because they're eating things, trying to feed something that they're missing. Not that they're hungry, but they're missing something. And that something is being connected to God. Listen to me carefully. That something is being connected to God. Because when you're not connected to God, how do you act? You act like a savage. There was a time in my life, and you know, for a period years ago, when I was 15, 16, and you may not know it, Imam Saab, and you may not realize it, uh, Wahida, but I used to curse pretty well. I, I, I cursed really good. 
that's a bad way to say it, but I was, I was really proficient in my use of profanity. And I would say, MF the world, GG this and that. Because even though I had a surrounding of God, something was missing. I had been drawn away from it. And that's what this world does. It draws you away from it. Then when Islam came into my life, those words became tabled. I never said them again. I never followed that discourse again. And I treated not only myself better, but I treated other people better. So the question is, do you really want a spiritual world? Do you want your children to be better? Or do you want them to carry on the same nonsense that you lived? Or do you just want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars looking at searching for a psychiatrist? Thousands and thousands of dollars buying medicine that destroys your body. Spending thousands and thousands of dollars on charlatans who have no real strength in spirituality. Or do you want to do just one simple thing? And that is, listen to the words of the Divine Clinic, listen to the words of the Ketub, and dedicate your life, your children's life, to doing the right thing. If you want, and that's simple. That's just free will. That costs nothing. That just costs a little time out of your life to rededicate yourself. So as we celebrate the martyrdom, of the great Hussein, let us also celebrate a new life where you change your life around so that your children can become more spiritually centered, more spiritually strong, more spiritually aware. Your children can be like the young Esau that's, that's in the Bible and bringing new wisdom. In fact, the Bible talks about that, what, that, that, that in a new world, children will bring about a new spirituality. They, I think the Bible asks the question, um, can you hear the words of good come from the mouth of a babe or the words of God? And we can hear that. All right, we can hear those things if the house is spiritually centered if the parents are doing the right thing. Remember this, your children, our children, do what they see you do. If they see you smoke, guess what? They're gonna smoke. If they see you abusing each other, they're gonna do the same thing with their spouse. If they see you cheating and lying and, and eating bad and not praying, they're gonna do the very same thing that you do. So therefore, as Imam Saab likes to talk about, and that is destroying the generational curse, we have to do that in reference to not being spiritual. Destroy that curse of not being spiritual so you can create a better society, a better world, and better children. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Issa. That was really insightful from your personal experiences, um, practices incorporated in your own house, and how we can really take from the teachings of the Qutub and uh, really reviving just classical Islamic teachings 
back again, and that is bringing all this all back to our pure oneness. And it is a great struggle in the time that we're living in. And I'll have uh, Imam Sa please uh, carry on this discussion, so to enlighten our audience. Inshallah, I mean, uh, well, alhamdulillah, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to you both and to all the listeners. And um, to start by giving salutations to the Holy Prophet, his holy family, his holy companions, uh, to our teachers of Qutub, um, and to the great Holy Allah of the past and of the present. Um, I'd like to just dedicate this feature out, really, to strike the hearts of every mother who's listening and every mother-to-be. Because what we have to understand is, we have to understand that children are intelligent. Because intelligence is Allah. Allah is intelligence. He has intelligence in his designs across everything that we can see of the known world. And, you know, what we understand as, uh, when I say respectfully mothers, is that they have this great intuition. When something is not right, they know. And they always know well before the, the, the you know, the sort of the, the patriarchy of the house, as it were. But in most cases, do nothing about it. Why? Because we're not connected to our emotions. We're not connected to our feelings anymore. And that's the reality. We're not connected to our faiths. And what we have to do is, as, as Dr. Teresa has, has beautifully mentioned, that we have to align ourselves back to correct belief without all of the distractions, without all of the PSAs uh, of religion and this should be like this and this should be like that. Forget about all of that stuff. Firstly, understand how to rule your house first before you can start going around changing communities, changing nations. We will have to understand how to keep peace and order and balance within the home that you live in because that is the provision given to you from Almighty God. Whether you are Buddhist, Hindu, Sikh, Jew, you know, Jew, uh, Judaic or Christian or, or Muslim, it doesn't make a difference, an ounce of difference at all. Because the situation that you are in is the situation God has put you in. We have to believe that. As Muslims, you know, it's mentioned in the same surah that many read for protection before they leave their homes, which is Ayat al-Kursi, which actually says in there, all good and bad is from God. So it means that nothing happens unless it's by his permission. And he is the one that we know gives provision to us all. So we have to understand that the very fact that we might have disobedient children is a part of our test in this world. And that we have to overcome certain things and challenges and rise above them because God knows that we can do it. Why? Because God does not give a soul more than he can bear. Very simple. So when we start to understand intelligence in children, and what I mean by this is, take for example... And uh, I speak to, uh, you know, sort of many women across the world who are listening and, you know, to, to, to anyone who, who even understands this as well from, uh, from another perspective, that children have a tendency to look at things or look into spaces. And often at times you look there as an adult and think, oh, there's nothing there. The child might be smiling, happy, you know, or the opposite might be very distressed. Something has caused them to become fearful. And we don't know what that is because we have lost the sight to see. We have become blinded 
by our own conditioning of this institutional religion, which has taken away our spirituality. Not everybody is, alhamdulillah, as blessed as Dr. Isa, in which he can invoke spirituality in the home, you know, having the background that he has. But there are many people who, uh, of parties that he has been part of as well, that would have difficulty doing or emulating the, uh, you know, the sunnahs of Dr. Isa, as it were, you know, the traditions that Dr. Isa is carrying out in his home. It's a very difficult concept to grasp. Why? Because... Energy is all around us, right? We, we know that. And these children, from their clots and what they're seeing and what is causing them distress in the middle of the night, but there's a reality to this. There's a reality to the unseen aspect of life. You see? And I think that is very, very important. Something that is very profound in all religious texts, every single one, even going far back as, as the, you know, sort of very ancient religions of like Hinduism, and things like this, you know. There are parables, there are stories in there which talk about elements of the unseen, talking about space, talking about cosmos, where they incorporate astrology, you know. These are things they didn't have equipment for back then, but they were able to determine certain constellations, certain things, alignment of um, of, of certain planetary motions, um, in order to determine whether this adult and this adult can get together, because would there be a spiritual balance and harmony between them? That's essentially what they were doing in these sort of cultural, uh, which has now become a cultural aspect. But before, it was a very spiritual, highly spiritual practice that was involved in many traditions across the world. And even as Muslims today, you know, we use an element of astrology within our own um, teachings as well, when we are figuring out when Eid is, for example, the sighting of the moon. That, in an aspect, is us engaging with an aspect of astrology, whether we like to admit it or not. So what we have to understand is that there's this world of the unseen that is affecting the children. Now, I'm not here to sort of strike fear in the heart of every listener, to say that there are demons and things running around. That is not what the base of this conversation is about. The conversation is here to, to explicitly say that children, even though they do not have the capacity to speak English, have the capacity to see the beautiful things of God from the unseen. That is the truth. When children are smiling, they're not often smiling at what they can see. It's what you can't see that they are smiling at. The world of the angels is real. So much so, God instills us in the seventh kalima of the Islamic faith to believe in the angels. Before we believe in the prophets, before we even believe in the scripture, because we believe in order, isn't it, by God. God's order is divine. It's a divine order. It's a law, right? So in that context where you say to believe in God is to believe in the angels, then is to believe in the books, then to believe in the messengers, and so forth, right? So there's different articles of faith in that. And that chain is known by Muslims all over the world and it's something that we teach our children. Yet we as adults have lost grips to what our children are being taught. So what does that say about us as parents, as guardians? You see? 
So I think it's very important that we nurture that spirituality in children from a very young age. We do not dismiss them when they come and they say they have seen something or they have an imaginary friend. We should not dismiss these things. I am urgently telling every listener, if you have children who are going through this type of scenario, then please get in contact with us because, you know, there is a chance that maybe, possibly, very strongly that the child is very sensitive, spiritually, very sensitive. And if they continue to see such things after a certain age, then it can have a profound impact on their development, as well as what Dr. Issa is saying, the, um, the external factors, the parenting, the nurturing aspect of it does have an impact, as, you know, as what most people would say, a psychological impact on their development. But what about the spiritual impact of that development? Everything comes in together as one as we say, you know, so we have to understand that the reason why the children have become so sensitive today, why is that? You know, we are now living, as you say, in a democracy, yeah? Yet, in America alone, so many children under the age of 10 are on prescribed medication, antipsychotic medication they're on. How has the world become like this? How is it that we have failed as parents, as a community, to come together to discuss these issues? Because if we were given the holy text 1,400 or so years ago, that has been deemed complete by God himself mentioning, narrating, that from this day I have completed my favor upon you. I have perfected for you your religion. So why is it 1,400 years later... Our children are still suffering, yet now we are getting them to a stage where we're medicating them. We're taking the humanity out of our children. How dare we do this to ourselves? We have ourselves to blame because of a lack of understanding and a lack of guidance. So for that, I turn to the leaders of the community. They have nothing to say. Or they are too busy trying to fix a problem that has already spiraled out of control. The reality is the answer lies within that holy book that you cherish in your homes. The word of God. Because every single character of that book holds a frequency, holds a sound, and there's a reality to that sound. And it's a meditation for the body, for the mind, and for the spirit. But we do not understand. So what I'm urging you as parents is if your children are on medication, if you don't want them to be on medication for the rest of their lives, then please give the foundation a call. Find out how we can help you today and give you the understanding you need. It doesn't matter if you are not from the Islamic faith because this is here to help everybody. And if we don't help our children today, then we are affecting the future generations of tomorrow. Now, if we truly want to understand why is it that in this current generation, in this 2019 you know, in an age where we can send people up to space, alhamdulillah, that we cannot ascertain the reasons why our children have become like this. The answer is very simple. Messengers have come before and messengers are still coming through now. And what are the messengers saying? They are saying, turn towards God. Find salvation in Him and find guidance through His teachings. Connect with those who know God, who connect to God. Do you see? If we don't clear 
ourselves from this negativity that is stuck to us like glue, like tar. If we don't get rid of these things, and as a Christian um, brotherhood, you know, as a religion, collectively I speak of them, when they talk about atonement for your sins, why is there this need for atonement? It's very important. It's crucial. Why? Because if we don't get rid of this dirt on us now, it builds up and builds up and builds up, and it imprints on our future generation. And then it will imprint on the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. God's love is such that he loves every single one of you enough to know that when you have children, they will carry some of this spiritual message, this spiritual contamination. So when you get to a certain level in that ancestral chain, you're going to have a situation where the children are going to become highly sensitive. And that's where we are today. 2019, we have across the world, in, in the Western developed countries, not underdeveloped countries, but the developed countries. So, you know, we look at places like Africa, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, you know, all these places where there is poverty and there is, you know, there is chaos and conflict. The reality is that the conflict is in our very homes because we have allowed it to do so because of our own ignorance. We have no one but to blame for ourselves. God has commanded us to stay clean and we have failed to stick to those commandments. I'm not here to make it fruity for everybody and say that God is all about love and love will, ultimately love is what calls you to him. But you have to stick to the mannerisms. It's, it's the manners which bring about the true man from within. It's the manners. As Dr. Ethan says, you know, where if you're living a life of profanity, suddenly when you stop all this, consciously, your life does change. Why? Because you're no longer attracting that negative fitna, that energy. You're no longer carrying it to yourself. You're no longer making it a part of your normal repertoire. You know, because you're elevating yourself to a higher state of consciousness, unknowingly even. You know, does it, does it ascend you to the higher stations of spirituality? Probably not, because there's responsibility that comes with that, you see. And not everybody's ready for that responsibility. So what we're saying is that if we truly want to understand what's happening to our children, we have to understand that we need to take action as a household, as a family, as a community. Now, now is the time to act. So if there are children out there on medication who are going through these hallucinations, who are going through these, what we call hallucinations, or going through these visions, going through this aggressive behavior, where is it coming from? Because it stems from the fact, very, very simply, that these children are sensitive to energy. They are sensitive to the people around them. So if these children are placed in a a center where there are people negative around them. You can't just put these children into a mental home. You know, you can't do that. These children are special. These children are blessed. We need them in our communities and we need to uplift them and we need to help them. So we need to take those balanced individuals who have awareness and who have some consciousness to come out the shadows and say, I will take a stand. I will take a listen and I will take this seriously. You know, people are struggling now. You know, we have mothers who are working, single mothers who are working to the bone, trying to keep their homes together. You know, in all of this madness that then she still has to spiritually grow her child, it's a tall order. 
it's a tall order. But why don't we as a community come together cohesively and talk and discuss and help and heal each other? But we're not doing that. Why? Because our differences is what fuels our fire to remain independent, to remain how America was before, as independent states. No one wanted to be a United States of America, but much blood had to be shed for that. And many minorities were killed for that as well. Let's not forget what it took to get us here today. And are we going to let history repeat itself? Because we ourselves have the power within us to make a difference and to make a change. But we need to make a change what's in our houses first. That's what we need to do. Once we start doing this, then we can start looking at the community level. Then we can start talking on a, on a bigger level. But we need to change what's in ourselves first. Are we accepting what God has commanded us to do, which is to keep clean, to keep pure in our hearts, you know, to not use profanity in the home? Why? Because profanity is a sound. Now, sound has memory. Sound has a signature. That signature is in the home. How are you going to remove that? You can't use a, a net and take it out. You see? Or if there's a home that has undergone heavy emotional turmoil, like a, a strong divorce, or even you know a crime, a heinous crime in that home, there's an energy that is released from that, which stays in that home. That's why you hear from real estate agents, they go through this uh, spiritual cleansing of homes because it does work. It does work. You see, so this is what I'm saying to you, is that we have to understand our problem is not a physical problem. Today I had a conversation with a young man and he was there and he was telling me about Islam and he's like telling me about how everybody else was wrong and he was right with his way of thinking. And he asked me what denomination I was from. And I said, I'm not from nowhere. I said, I look at the Sunnis and I look at the Shia. And I say, both of them have got truth within them. The Shia preserve the, the, uh, the teachings of the Ahlul Bayt. And the Sunni, they preserve the teachings of, of, of those that are true with the only Allah. If they came together and spoke, they would see that they had more in common than what these, uh, you know, with what we ourselves are allowing ourselves to be indifferent to each other. So if we ourselves cannot even get together as a community from a, a level of faith and understanding, how can we expect to change our very diverse communities now? You know, the fact is, when God sees a child, he sees a child. And must I remind everyone the way that God, you know, speaks of even the Jews in the Quran. He speaks to them as children of Israel. Now these collective people would have been adults, they would have been geriatrics, very elderly people. They would have all been in under this umbrella, this covenant of God's, God's protection, calling them the children of Israel. It doesn't matter what age you are in the eyes of God. It matters how you present your heart to Him and how you come to Him. And how you're thankful to him and grateful to him every morning and every night. It's very simple. The ingredients to live a healthy life is there. And it's been staring at us, you know, in front of our face the whole time. But we must take control of our homes again, as Dr. Teresa has rightfully mentioned. And it starts within the home. It starts with the children. 
Let's find out what's bothering them. Let's clear them. Let's balance them because they have become spiritually imbalanced. They have not become chemically imbalanced. The chemical imbalance that psychiatrists are talking about today is as a result of the spiritual imbalance. So they're not wrong. They're just looking up the partial truth. They're not looking at the whole truth. Because again, as Dr. Issa has mentioned, that they don't look at the spiritual aspect of it. I think many are turning towards meditation and things like that now. But again, it's where faith has all the answers. Inshallah. Thank you, uh, Imam Saab. A really profound insight there. And, and uh, given your expertise in dealing with women who are going through um, challenges of raising, you know, God-conscious children and in, 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 um, in keeping that spirituality at a, at a level where the children are, you know, hyper-focused, laser-focused in their, in their school and then in their home, good respect, good moral, uh, moral values as well. It's a big challenge today because we're also... You know, the, the children are home for a certain period of time, but then also the company that they are keeping outside has to be looked upon. And it's, uh, it's a really home inside and also an awareness of the community. And, and Dr. Issa, is there anything else you would like to add on to this uh, discussion? Um, last night I, I heard a, um, a combustion a sheikh, and he was talking about the gates that God, Allah, has given to us in reference to our tongue. He said, one, we have 32 gates, that's teeth. Some of us have a death. And we have two additional gates, our lips. And what happens is that, sadly, our homes are becoming filled with negative talk, negative entities that have to be cleared out. And that negative talk uh, permeates to the children. So what I'm saying, they don't, they're not hearing their parents pray. They're not seeing their parents read Quran or Bible or Torah. They're not hearing their parents say things that are loving. What's coming out of the parents' whole mouth oftentimes is dirt, bad. So the children, they don't have a feeling of wanting to get involved in spirituality, even though it's their nature. But the feeling is not there. So one of the, one of the, one of the things that we have to do as parents, if you want the spirituality, if you want this moral element, you have to control your tongue and utilize the gates that Allah has given to you. If something's going to come out, say something that is positive and good, not hurtful, spiteful, vengeful towards the children or towards anyone in your family. Because those types of things destroy the spirituality that you can develop. Because you're putting terrible things in the atmosphere. We used to say that before you say anything, think twice. Or think three times. All right? And it's best to listen. When someone says something to you, listen. If they critique you, listen. Even if you don't agree with them, the first 
listen anyway. Because oftentimes there's some good in, in them. As spiritual leaders, we reprimand people, but we also get reprimanded. The MM may reprimand me. Wahida may reprimand me. I may reprimand Wahida or the Imam. We reprimand each other. We scold each other. But we listen for it. All right? Because when we listen, we allow the spirituality base, the goodness of God that's within us, to permeate and to grow and to develop and to become something that is beautiful. And we live in a world now where people don't want to listen, children don't want to listen. In our, in our school system in the United States, I don't know about other places, but in the United States, many of our school young people, they go in ready to argue and fight and to curse and to do a lot of terrible things. All right? And they come out hostile. Then that hostility grows into more anger, grows into guns, grows into violence. I mean, yesterday in the, in the city of Orlando, a beautiful young girl pregnant was shot down. And her infant and her, and her uh, uh, toddler was shot down. For what? Negativity that's there. So the imam is absolutely right. Whatever he says, he's right. He analyzed this correctly. Wahida is right. All right? So we have to become much more um, understanding, much more um, aggressive in developing uh, our spirituality. We must take the advice of women. As the imam stated, they have an intuition. People don't realize that most of the Quran was made for women. It's heavy. A lot of things in the Quran is based on women and for women. And it's not an accident that women are so spiritual. They can tell if their son or their daughter that's a thousand miles away is sick or hurt. They have a feeling. They can feel if their spouse that's maybe hundreds and thousands of miles away is going through something. They have an intuition. And that intuition is God-centered. So we, what we have to do with our women is to allow them to become much more God-centered, encourage them, because once they are encouraged, their spirituality can help create a better spiritual center within our home, within our home, because our home is our first masjid, and the, t and the first teacher you have is the, is the mother. And the first love that we have is Allah. Well, thank you. And this has been a beautiful, beautiful evening. And I, I pray that all of us, as we talk, you know, as, as the Imam speaks and as I speak and as Wahida speak, we're, not, we're just not speaking to the audience, but we're also speaking to ourselves because we learn something from what we say to you and about us. So everyone is learning and growing in this endeavor to become more spiritually centered, to, be, to create a better world. 
to, to, to create that heaven on earth and to save humanity. That's all what we're doing, trying to save humanity. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, Dr. Isa. Thank you for uh, your closing remarks here on today's uh, podcast series. And uh, it's really all of, all of us is coming together, being honest within ourselves, the ongoing battles that, um, that are here that we are presenting, and know that the Divine Clinic Foundation is here to help you genuinely and sincerely. And I really thank um, Imam Saab for joining us on our podcast. Thank you so much for sharing all your experience and insight to help our audience to better their lives. And as always, just to, as we believe in save a soul, save humanity. If you have any emails um, or questions you would like to send over to us, please uh, email us over to info at the divineclinicfoundation.org. That's info at the divineclinicfoundation.org. And if you're in the Orlando area uh, for the next couple of weeks, we will be conducting um, uh, spirituality oneness sessions. Uh, so you can find that information on our website at www.thedivineclinicfoundation.org. And that typically is held on Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m. Thank you. And assalamu alaikum, Imam Saab. And thank you, Dr. Issa. Assalamu alaikum.